God made us wonderfully and beautifully complex. We have a body, but we're not all just flesh and blood and bones. And we have a soul, but we're not just all mushy stuff and feelings and thoughts and stuff. And we have a spirit, but we're not just these invisible floating beings existing in the universe. We are all three. We are body, soul, and spirit. Our body is made up the, of the stuff we can see and touch. Our body is our bones and our nerves and our skin and our internal organs and junk like that. And then our soul really represents the mind and the will and the emotions of all of humanity. It's our thoughts and our drive and our self-motivation and our feelings. And then there's our spirit. And our spirit is the part of ourselves that is completely changed when we accept Christ into our life. When we invite Jesus to run in our lane with us, that's when our spirit is completely 100% changed. But you know what's not changed? is our mind and our will and our emotions. Our mind and will and our emotions are just as messed up the day before we become a Christian as the day after we become a Christian. And all three parts of us have got to learn to work together. Our body has to work with our spirit, has to work with our emotions. The three are intertwined and we have to work all of them if we're going to be healthy. But they like to fight each other. Like siblings, they're in a rivalry and they're after each other, each one wanting to dominate. The body wants to dominate the mind, which wants to dominate the spirit. They're at war with each other. And here's the truth. Unless all three are healthy, it's hard for us to be healthy. So you could be a CrossFit ninja who loves Jesus with all your heart and still suffer with depression. You could, be, you could be so in love with Jesus and so confident in who you are as a human being, but if you are laying on the bathroom floor, hugging the toilet and puking your ever-loving guts out, you can't be happy. Something's wrong with your body. The three things, the body, the soul, and the spirit together have to be whole, happy, and healthy for life to work. And all three, parts of those in, all three parts are equally important. Now, we all know that mental health is a hot-button issue in our culture. It's a big deal in our generation right now. There are many people that are wrestling with it and trying to sort out what's going on. But one of the problems I see with how we're tackling this problem as a society is oftentimes we're tackling it one-dimensionally. We're saying... This person is depressed, let's put them on a pill. We're just addressing the body. Or others are saying, this person is depressed, so, so let's just listen to their thoughts and feelings and, and just spend time loving on them. Then we're just dealing only with their soul. And then some people are being so hyper-spiritual, they're like, Jesus will just heal their anxiety. There's nothing else. You if you just love Jesus more, if you just pray harder, you wouldn't be suffering with anxiety or depression. But really, all three of those techniques are often incomplete. We have to address mental health holistically with the mind, soul, and spirit all together, the body, the soul, and the spirit must work together. Now when you came in, you should have seen on your chair an index card, and hopefully you have that. That's basically a backup plan in case you lost your journal. That's how important it is to me that you write some stuff down notes. 
Now, you can write down anything. If I say something just thought-provokingly profound, and you're like, I want to save this thought of JL's forever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snuggle it with it at night. It's so genius. You could write that down, but that's probably not what the paper is really going to be for. Probably what I would like you to write on the paper is when you hear members of our panel that are coming out in a minute, when you hear them say something and it, and it, and it just kind of goes inside you, you're like, Ugh, I'm not doing that, and that would probably help me feel better. That's what I want you to write down. So if someone says something genius like, don't play video games all night. And you're like, whoa, I am playing video games all night. I'm going to jot down that little life tip. That's what you want to be putting on your index card or in your 4640 conference journal. Just something that is going to help you. They're going to be giving you tips and ideas and insights into what you can do to help your body be healthier and what you can do to help your soul be healthier and what you can do to help your spirit be healthier. And so all any of those kind of practical things, that's what I want you to put into that uh, into your notes so that later in a week or a month you can look at that and you can begin doing that work. You can say, I have to sign off PUBG, y'all, because I keep playing it until four in the morning and I'm not very healthy as a human. And so I'm going to sign off. That's what the notes are going to be to remind you of. Or if you've been like, you know, stuffing your face with Cheetos 24-7 and that you consider that to be a major food group. You might consult back to your notes when the doctor said something like, blah, 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 eat vegetables, blah, blah. That's when you'd want to look at that and go, oh, Cheetos are not the same as baby carrots. Uh, they're just both orange. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to write down. But there's a lot of information and I want to get to it. So it's for this reason that I put together a very special panel today that are experts in the fields of the body, the soul, and the spirit. These two ladies that I've invited here today, these are two of my very best friends on the planet, uh, Dr. Shannon Murphy and Raquel Hicks. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. So you two ladies can come on out. Um, yes, you can clap for them. They're awesome. They probably have a lot of dirt on me. And then, of course, you all know Pastor Dan Hooper, the lead pastor, lead pastor of Fellowship Church. And these three are going to kind of help be our experts today. They're highly qualified. They have a lot of initials that go after their names that say how long they went to school for, something like 50 years of school each. Um, they've been going since they were in uterus. It's awesome. Okay, so we're going to just jump right into it. We are hearing an alarmingly high rate of students that are talking about being depressed, having anxiety, compared to even five or ten years ago. And our first question is, what are you guys noticing in your fields? Certainly, um, there is a, a huge rise in depression, anxiety, and other mental health diagnoses um, in, in our country today. And there's lots of things that we think contribute to it. Probably the most commonly recognized is the increase in social media. There's other things that may or may not be tied to that social media, like decrease in educational performance, lack of exercise, fewer um, coping skills, lack of community. All of those things contribute. There's also not really been an increase in our mental health treatment availability, which also leads to kind of an increase in those people being untreated. So going off of what Shannon said, um, you guys probably relate to that social media does not equal real relationships. Um, and we lack that face-to-face -face connection with the people that are, are close to us. So we lack that uh, see the whites of each other's eyes, 
spend real time together. Um, instead, there's just a huge pressure to get a certain amount of likes on Instagram. There's a huge pressure to make your life look perfect. Um, and then in turn, compare what you're going through um, with somebody else's life that looks amazing on their highlight reel on Instagram. Uh, so we feel like there's a lot of lack of connection, uh, lack of like true spending life, doing life together. Um, we also see that a lot of teenagers are bored they don't know what their why is. Uh, they don't know why they want to get up in the morning. They don't know what motivates them or what they're passionate about. And so uh, they end up kind of turning to things that are path of least resistance that don't require much you know, emotional effort from them. Um, I will see, say that there is um, a lot of you that seek out therapy and that are cool with it and that are um, wanting to be self-aware and wanting to know yourself. And I've, I've seen a huge shift in that with your guys' generation, which is awesome. Um, and so I think, I think what we really wanna get at today, among other things, is that relationships aren't based on the number of hearts you get on Instagram, the number of likes you get on Facebook. I don't know what you get on Snapchat, I don't know. But um, relationships are not based on your feelings. Relationships are based on commitment and loyalty. Yeah. And for me, uh, if you guys don't know, I'm, I'm the pastor here at Fellowship Church. So I, I think most of you hopefully know that. But, um, you know, for years, uh, I've had the really cool opportunity to pray with many of you. Uh, but I've prayed with your parents and I've got the opportunity to pray with tons of people over the years. And what's been alarming is over the last like five to 10 years, it's shocking how many people um, I'm praying with that are continuing to go back to um, needing prayer for mental health uh, issues, whether it be uh, worry or anxiety or depression. And what's alarming about that is I pray with a lot of people about a lot of things and all of the other things I pray with people about don't compare to the amount of times I'm praying with everybody uh, about anxiety and depression. And what's crazy about that as well is the fact that um, you couldn't pin it on just a certain group of people. And you, can, you couldn't say it's just like, uh, you know, young people that don't have a lot of money or old people. Because I'll, I'll pray with men who have a lot of money and women who have a lot of money or, or, or don't have a job and they're still praying about that same issue. Or uh, kids, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's like uh, it affects all of us. And 10 years ago when I was praying for people, it, like it never came up. But the last five to 10 years, it is like the number one thing I pray with people about. So true. So we hear these buzzwords all the time. People throw them out on a regular basis, students and adults alike, and it's anxiety, panic attacks, and depression are the three big ones. And I'm not exactly clear on the definitions of these words, so could you define them, please? Yeah, these, these definitions are pretty hard and pretty complex, but we're going to try to kind of simplify them a little bit. So anxiety, a simple definition is when concerns kind of take over. They're persistent, they're major, they're causing major problems in your day-to-day -day life. Um, panic attacks, they're best described as a quick onset of a, a severe fear, and it reaches that severe state really, really fast. But you also have to have things that come with it. So, so physical symptoms, thoughts that come with it, and emotional things that go with it as well. And so to add on that, um, if we could look at anxiety in two categories, the capital A anxiety is like the big time anxiety. And then there's the lowercase a anxiety that is more of the smaller worries that we have. So if you, panic attacks are actually pretty rare, but we hear that, that term 
thrown out there a lot, which makes us in the field a little bit worried because panic attacks are actually a really serious thing and often take um, kids to the ER, take them to their doctor's office because they have, your heart can be racing, your hands can be getting sweaty, um, you can have difficulty breathing, feeling like you're gonna throw up, feeling like you're gonna pass out. So it's actually a really big mind-body connection. What's going on in our minds and in our emotions is really connected to our bodies and that's when a true panic attack happens. Uh, Lowercase anxiety, can feel like, man, I'm, I really messed up on that test. Um, I'm having a hard time with that breakup that I just had. My parents were fighting a lot this weekend and it's, it's, really, it's really bumming me out. So um, being triggered is, is lowercase anxiety. Um, if someone says they had five panic attacks over the weekend, that's probably highly unlikely. Um, but you have probably all experienced some lowercase anxiety at some point. Uppercase anxiety is where we're gonna talk more about getting help. Depression's a little bit harder. It's a really complex diagnosis. But um, again, to try to keep it simple, the bottom line is, is depression requ- requires a depressed mood, and it's got to interfere with your daily activities, your daily life. It can include other things like sleep problems, problems with your energy, problems with um, concentrating in school, those sorts of things. But again, it has, to re- it has to have the depressed mood and interfering with your life. Of course, it can also include things like suicidal thoughts or thoughts of harming someone else or yourself. Bottom line though, just because you may not meet my definition of depression doesn't mean that you don't need some help. So keep that in mind. Regularly students will come to me or to one of the 4640 pastors and they'll be asking for prayer. And they're going through a lot, maybe a death in the family, loss of a pet, there's pressures at school. And because of all that or some combination of that, they, they really are feeling that they're maybe depressed. And I know that that after my dad died, I went through a time where I felt like maybe I was depressed. Should a person just sort of diagnose themselves with depression, anxiety, or panic attacks? If that's what they're feeling, if they think that's what they're feeling, should they just say that's their diagnosis or is it a very specific thing? So the bottom line here is no, you shouldn't diagnose yourself because um, these things, this true anxiety and true depression is actually pretty serious. And, and you need to have professionals that, that know what they're doing, be able to get you the help that you need. So it would be like if you had a really bad stomach ache and you, you thought maybe you had a tummy bug, but actually you had appendicitis and you, you didn't get the help that you needed because you self-diagnosed. Um, so it's kind of like the lowercase a anxiety doesn't equal panic attacks. Um, so Basically, saying you have depression or anxiety, we've all felt depressed or we've all felt worried or anxious, but the actual clinical diagnosis, Shannon's gonna go into more, um, is, a, is a pretty big deal. And so we wanna make sure not to put those labels on ourselves unless they have been properly diagnosed by a professional. Yeah, so just to go into that a little bit more, the diagnosis of mental health conditions is really complex and really hard. There's a, a book actually that we use called the DSM which, which carries the criteria of all mental health disorders. And it's, it's really complex. You gotta check lots of boxes and things to get to a true diagnosis. For example, d- depressive disorders, there's 10 subtypes of depressive disorders and you have to know the intricate details and different things to be able to, to actually get to a diagnosis. Um, you, you have to know if they, there's a medical condition that, that takes that off the list or if there's um, something else going on in their life, like a death of a family member, if that can or can't be part of the diagnosis. It's very difficult. You also have to be able to take people's other information, information from parents or teachers, if you can get that and help, let that help you um, get down to a diagnosis. So again, bottom line, it's not easy. 
So when I diagnose a, a person with depression or anxiety, it's, it's certainly after careful consideration. Like Shannon was saying, we have a whole uh, list of things that we have to check off in order for someone to meet the diagnostic criteria. Um, so this is basically what we want you guys to remember is that if, if something is taking up a lot of time or mental energy or emotion in your day-to-day -day life, that's when you probably want to consider getting help. So if it's affecting the way that you usually can function, like I don't want to go to sports today, I don't really feel like going to 4640, well, that would never happen. Um, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't have an appetite, um, I'm feeling like I can't stop crying. Those are all things that would alert you, I probably need to talk to somebody. And, and like she was saying, a lot of things can feel like depression, things can happen in your life, a breakup, an F on a test, like you mentioned, your parents fighting all weekend, the death of somebody, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have major depressive disorder, but it still can be, mean you have a depressed mood and you might need some help. So don't worry about the diagnosis. It, you just need to get help. And it doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't mean that diagnosis is with you forever. Yeah, for sure. So something to remember too is, is trauma. You guys have probably heard this word trauma. Basically, the, the way I define trauma is that something happens to us that our hearts or our minds or our bodies are not wired to deal with. So we feel helpless, we feel terrified, we feel like either our emotional state or our physical state is gravely in danger. Um, that, could, that could be a death in the family, totally unexpected um, or even expected. That could be a rape. Um, any kind of sexual or physical abuse. That could be a friend committing suicide, um, being in an abusive relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, and, and sometimes trauma can give us anxiety or, de or depressive type of reactions, but that doesn't necessarily mean we are anxious or depressed. We could be having a trauma response to something. So true. So bottom line, a 15-year-old is going through a super hard time. They, says they're, they say they're depressed. Do they have depression and is it forever? They may have depression, but that needs to be decided by somebody that's a professional and understands the intricate details. What matters is that they seek help if they need it. And it absolutely does not have to be forever. Um, even if they get a diagnosis, a diagnosis doesn't have to be permanent. You know, I think I'd like to add to this too that we've got to be really careful with our words. And um, spiritually uh, speaking, we see that our words have in incredible creative power. We know that because we were created in God's image, and when he speaks, um, his words have created power, and he's given us the same power with our words. The Bible says that for there's power of life and death in the tongue, or the tongue has the power of life and death. So what does that mean? Well, that means that the words that we speak actually have the power to change the atmosphere that we're in. So um, what's, what's, care, what's scary about this that we have to be careful with is you could be going through a moment where you feel sad, or you could be going through a moment where you might say you feel depressed, and that, that, that feeling might be real, but you've got to be really careful about how you talk about it, because like what they were saying about you know, self-diagnosis and how it's a, it's a bad idea, because you could feel a little bit depressed, and you could feel a little bit sad, but if you start speaking over yourself, I'm just so depressed. I'm just so down all the time. I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm worried about everything. And you're continually speaking that. What, what are you doing? You're creating an atmosphere of depression. You're creating an atmosphere.
atmosphere uh, of feeling down and feeling sad. So we have to be incredibly careful about that. We see this principle when it comes to athletes, right? I mean, if, if there's a team that goes out on the field and they're talking like, man, I don't know if we're going to make it today. I don't know if we're going to... They're going to get destroyed, right? <laughs> And, and it, but if you turn it around, it, they, if they're coming out like, we're really going to bring our best, we're going we're gonna to kill today, I, I might be a little bit tired, but I'm going to bring it today. Like, they're going to do awesome. And that doesn't mean if you just say, I'm a great pitcher, all of a sudden you're going to become a great pitcher. I'd be playing baseball right now. So, um, but that, that does, that's not what I'm saying. And you've got to understand too, um, I'm not saying that you can't say how you feel right. because... Um, we, we've got to get to a point where we ask for help when we need it. So it, it's different saying, I'm feeling depressed, I need help, versus walking around with a constant uh, dialogue that's coming out of your mouth, or a monologue coming out of your mouth where you're saying, I just don't feel good, I feel, I feel bad. And just kind of going through life negative. It really sets an atmosphere around us that we have to be careful about. So this going off script a little bit, um, we were t- when we were practicing and kind of going through our notes earlier today, we came up with an example and we were talking about how a person could be diagnosed with, say, strep throat. They're diagnosed with strep throat. That doesn't mean they have strep throat forever. They're going to go to their doctor. They're going to get help. They're going to get treatment. Their strep throat is going to go away. And many times, not always, but many times that similar things can happen with mental health if you get the correct help. Is that accurate? You get the correct help, you can overcome certain parts of it. But then, again, that's why you bring it to the professionals. That's why you bring it to the doctors and you let them sort it all out. You don't carry a label of depression for your entire life. You let the doctors and the therapists decide how that all factors in. All right, what is going on in the brain of a 12 to 18-year-old person? Can you explain this to us? (laughs) No, actually, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, though. Um, Bottom line, guys, is your brains aren't completely developed till you're 25. Um, and interestingly, the part of your brain that isn't developed is your pre, what we call your prefrontal cortex. Um, that is specifically developed through later adolescence. Um, but that's the area of your brain that's planning, prioritizing, uh, impulse control. It's a pretty important part. But again, this kind of explains why your parents think differently than you do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> So if we think of our brains being developed from the bottom up, our limbic system is like the center of our emotions. And so um, I remember what it was like to be 12, 13, 14, 15. It felt like my emotions were kind of running the show. Like they were in my head, they were really loud. Um, Sometimes they still are, but I think I can really balance those out with a lot more logic. And so um, I think that's why it's so helpful to to talk to someone who's not in your brain, uh, who's not experiencing your your dialogue and your narrative all day long, who can kind of help you say, you know what, I think you're all right, or I think maybe we do need to go talk with someone, or hey, you had this really traumatic experience happen, this is why you're feeling anxious and depressed, but I don't think that you have depression, or any number of things, but that's why we gotta invite people in that are safe to be able to help us unpack that stuff. Pastor Dan, the Bible has a lot to say about our thought and our thought life. How does our thought life affect our mental health? 
Uh, I think mainly a principle that we could pull out of this from Scripture is that uh, God knows exactly what's going on in your thought life. And he knows that because he knit you together in your mother's womb. That's Psalms 139.13. We know he created our bodies. He created your mind and the way it works. And he knows every part of us um, and, and everything that's going on in our thoughts. Um, so when it comes to that, if he, if he created me and he knows what's going on in my thoughts, then I want to know what he has to say about it. And uh, he says something. It's, it's really kind of interesting. It was actually Jesus talking. Uh, it, it says this. It says, take captive every thought. This was not Jesus. This was Paul. It says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if God used Paul to tell us that when it comes to our thought life, we have to take the thoughts that we have and, and take them captive to make them obedient to Christ. What does that even mean? He, what he's telling us is you're going to have thoughts that run through your mind that aren't necessarily good thoughts. Uh, and when we have thoughts that go through our mind, they might, they might be negative. They might, um, they might be coming across too sad. They might be coming across accusatory. I, I don't know what that is exactly. But if, if it's not lining up with what God says about you, then it's not from God and it's not right. So what he's telling us is we have to, and I love the way um, I, I read Joyce Meyer's books. And Joyce Meyer says, you got to think about what you're thinking about. So that's like the, it's, it's a really easy way for me to remember that. I've got to stop and think about this thought that's in my mind. Is this from God or not? Uh, so I have to go, just because it came into my mind doesn't mean it's right. Just because I thought it up doesn't mean that that's what God wants for me or that's even the right plan for my life or anything. So since it came into my mind, I got to go, okay, is this what God says about me or is this something else? And if it's something else, then I got to go, no, I stop it. I, take, I catch it. You take it captive. I catch it. I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. That has nothing to do with what God said about me, so I'm going I'm to push it aside. So if what God is saying about our thought life is that we have to constantly pay attention to what's going on in our mind and make sure that it lines up with what he says about us. So say you're listening to a friend. I mean, for the most part so far, we've kind of been talking about mental health and how it affects us, but a lot of us are affected by mental health through our friendships and our relationships. So say you're listening to a friend and they're talking about what they're going through. How do you know when it's time to get professionals or adults involved rather than just continue to listen to their situation each day? So it's kind of like what we were talking before. If, you, if you're living life with a person and they're starting to act markedly different than they usually are, how many of, how many of you guys has that happened to you? That you, you're worried about someone because they're not acting, a lot of you guys, yeah. They're not acting like they usually would, right? Something inside your gut says, this person isn't okay. There's, there's something off. They seem really sad. They seem down. They're just, they're not talking as much. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we look for, but it's really going to be important for you guys to just be trusting your gut. And, and I would err on the side of tell someone if you're worried about someone, because it could be a lot worse than you even realize that it is. So you guys know about safe to tell. Um, you know that it's an anonymous place that you can report if you think someone is in danger emotionally. Um, you know, you can talk to your school counselor. Obviously, you can talk to your pastors here. Um, any safe adult is going to be able to point you in the right direction as far as getting help. So there's going to be small things that might seem kind of like insignificant, but someone, a good friend of yours starting to keep secrets and, or starting to, to give some of their belongings away or um, just not acting like they used to act. Um, 
spending a lot of time alone, being like, I don't want to come, I don't want to come to the party, I don't, I don't want to come hang out, I'm just going to spend some time by myself. Um, it's okay to say to them, do you, are you okay? And if they're like, no, I'm not, it's, and you, your gut says, it's okay for you to say, are you thinking of hurting yourself? And if a lot of times they're going to be like, yeah, but please don't tell my parents, like, please don't tell my parents, right? They're going to get so mad. Uh, I beg you, just don't tell anyone. That's like the biggest warning sign that you need to tell someone. And I promise you that they'll thank you for that. But if they're like desperate for you to not say something, that probably means they're that desperate for help. Yeah. And, and for every one of us, we, we have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Jesus actually puts it on us as a responsibility to care for one another. Um, Galatians 6 says, uh, share each other's burdens and in the same way, uh, obey the law of Christ. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. So he's saying, we have a responsibility in following Jesus to love one another and, and, sh- and that means to share each other's burdens. So if we have friends that are hurting, we should, we should care enough about them to do something about it. So um, the, the, I think the thing that we get hung up on sometimes is feeling like, well, should I do anything about this? Should I say anything about it? If my friend told me they're hurting, they're depressed, they're sad, they're thinking of hurting themselves or whatever, uh, it's not tattling, it's, it's caring for them. To, to bring it to someone who can do something about it, to tell an, a, a parent or teacher or whoever it might be. And because I think a lot of times we think, oh man, they, they told me not to tell their parents. They're, they're going to hate me. They're going to be so mad at me. But the truth is, if we actually care enough about them to be their friend, then we care enough about them to go, it might make them mad at me for a little while, but in the long run, they're going to get help and they're going to see that I was just doing this because I love them. So this is something we don't like to talk about, but um, I have been here as a youth pastor for 21, 22 years, something like that now. I have stood next to caskets of teenagers that have completed suicide. And I have hugged best friends next to those caskets who were afraid to get them help, who knew, carried the secret, and felt like my friend will hate me forever, I can't tell. And standing next to those caskets, without doubt, every time, do you know what they say? I should have told. And, and not that it's that person's fault. It's never someone else's fault. But my point is, would you rather them be mad at you for a couple of weeks, or would you rather stand next to their casket? And so when, our, when we as a body of Christ, as we as Christ followers start to say, mental health issues matter, they're significant and they're serious, that's when things will start to change is when we get our friends true and real help instead of keeping secrets that really have no business being kept. Some students are under the pressure of <laughs> depression and anxiety and uh, they, they feel so much pressure from those things that they try to escape through vaping or drinking or other drugs like that. And I'm just wondering how does this type of drug use affect their mental health, and their overall long-term development? It's a great question. So um, obviously this is basically self-medicating. Um, and these, any, using any kind of drug, prescription, natural, over-the-counter, anything should really never be used without proper education and information. Um, you know, just because things are natural doesn't mean they're safe or okay, right? Cyanide is natural, but I don't prescribe it. Um, <laughs> 
Mar marijuana <laughs> kind of falls under that category, but nobody really wants to talk about it. Marijuana, every, lots of people will say, well, it's natural. That doesn't make it better than something I can prescribe. Um, it's uncontrolled. It interferes with your brain development. Like, it's, it's not a good option. Um, drugs trigger pathways in our brain that, that are confusing to our brain, and, and it tells our brain, you don't need food or friendships or sleep. You need this drug more, and that's because it, it triggers the quote-unquote happy chemicals in our brain, and it's, it's basically tricking us, okay? Um, and then, honestly, at, at the, the, um, the anatomical level, these, these kinds of drugs mess up the pathways that are being developed in our brain. Like we said earlier, brains aren't developed. So introducing drugs and, and things like this interfere with the normal and natural and good development of a brain. And what Shannon's saying is those changes can be permanent. So that, that can really affect your long-term just goals of, of relationships and jobs and uh, visions for your future. It can really mess up your brain at an, a physiological level. So it's a, it's a huge deal. So if a student is feeling like legitimately so stressed out that they feel like I need to smoke this or I need to, to drink this alcohol to just get rid of the stress of life or school or their relationships or whatever is going on, if they feel like it's so heavy that they have to use drugs, should that be a clue that we should be going to a professional? Absolutely. It's a huge red flag. They need to see somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And when it comes to the spiritual side of this, um, uh, using drugs or, or, or alcohol or something like that to numb yourself could certainly be categorized as sin. And sin is missing the mark when you're not doing your life God's way. And we know that it's a sin uh, because we're put underneath the laws of our government and we're supposed to obey those laws. And if you're under 21, um, certainly no alcohol use. We shouldn't be doing illegal drugs and stuff like that. Obviously, they're, they're against the law. So when we take an action step that causes us uh, to sin, it actually causes us to step farther away from God. Um, the Bible will say it it gets in the way of our intimacy with God. So God wants to be close to us and, and he wants us to live our life with him. But if we're sinning, we're like, we're like pushing them back. And, and in the, the tough thing about this is God is our source for what the Bible calls spiritual fruit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I mean, you've heard us talk about that here in 4640 before, but, but joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So that means the source of where you get joy from, not just like being happy for a moment and then it goes away because like you saw something funny and it made you laugh and then it goes away, but like to be able to just like go through life and, and really have uh, happiness that's coming from the inside, that comes through really close relationship with God that, that, that grows out of us. So if we're doing things in our life where we're sinning because we don't feel good, we're, we're pushing our source of joy out of our life. And the, the tough thing about that is sometimes God will be convicting you and his Holy Spirit will be telling you, hey, don't do that. And you'll start to feel like this guilt and this conviction uh, from vaping or alcohol or something like that. So people will get in this trap of since then that, that guilt or conviction um, can start to feel like, well, I feel a little worried. I feel a little anxious. I feel a little negative. So then people will get in the trap and the cycle of, well, I just need a little bit more alcohol or, need, or drug or whatever it is uh, to, so I don't feel this bad feeling anymore, which maybe the bad feeling is God saying, stop, don't do that because I have something so much better for you. So it can actually, that sin can actually um, impede the fact that God is trying to convict us, but we just 
we feel like it's that same negative feeling, so we're trying to numb it, and it can be a cycle that just takes us farther and farther away. Okay, this is a perfect time to have your pen and notebook ready because we're going to start asking for some really practical steps. So what are some practical steps a person can take physically that will help their body, that will help their bodies, that will overall improve their health? Some physical steps we can take. So exercise. Um, I often tell my patients exercise is the cheapest and the best antidepressant out there. Okay, it's, it's everywhere. Get some exercise. Um, obviously eating well. Uh, putting junk in your body doesn't help us, doesn't help our mood, doesn't help anything. Get some sleep, okay? Teenagers need nine to 10 hours of sleep a night. A night. Write that down, <laughs> nine to 10 hours of sleep. I want nine Studies show that right now, kids are spending at least six hours on their phones, so that's concerning. And that leads us into the next topic, which is connect. Um, less social media and technology, more relationships. You know, we were talking about connections and how drugs can interfere with those connections and create unhealthy connections. You also have the opportunity to make healthy connections right now. Connections with feeling better when we exercise, feelings or connections about eating healthy and feeling better, talking with our friends, spending time with them, and how these healthy connections can get made in our body. So I like to think of our cell phones as like the world's smallest slot machine. So it's like you look at it and it's either going to be something awesome, like, okay, I got like 400 likes on Instagram, or you look at it and it's like crickets and no one's texted you back like all day. And so, or there's something, something in the middle. But when you pick up your phone, um, usually you're either happy or you're disappointed, or maybe you're kind of something in between. Um, but again, that's actually not like a real interaction or a real relationship. And so um, I think it's just kind of habit to pick up our phone. You know, it's just kind of habit to be like, I don't have anything going on, I'm just gonna pick my phone. Instead, if you're starting to feel some of those like heavy feelings set in, change your environment. Just go outside for 10 minutes for a walk in the sunshine. It's nat it gives you the natural feel good hormone. Go talk to someone face to face, like go hang out with a friend. Um, you know, any, anything that gets you up and away from just like sitting with your phone is actually um, getting on Snapchat like basically isn't the answer is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are some steps a person can take spiritually to start feeling happier or healthier? I'd say first and maybe most important is you have to have an honest prayer life with God. Um, and that means you tell him exactly how you feel. And I know that this is something that I, I've struggled with in my own prayer life is feeling like maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell God I'm mad at him. You know, maybe I shouldn't tell him that I'm angry right now. Maybe I shouldn't tell him that I'm feeling sad. Because um, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know if you can talk to God that way. Uh, but the truth is, uh, he cares about you. And he cares about how, he feels, how you feel. And this, this is the thing. He already knows how you feel. He just wants you to talk to him about it. And it's neat because 1 Peter 5 tells us this. Uh, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So if we're feeling anything on the inside, whether it's anger, anxiety, worry, any emotion, whatever that might be, he wants us to, to cast it on him, to bring it to him. Why? Because he cares for you. 
He cares for you. And when you understand that, you realize, you know what? I can be honest with God. I can, I can tell him the truth and he's not going to love me any less. Um, in, in fact, I, I can just be really honest with him. And I think a great example of this is King David. Um, uh, we see in the Old Testament, we see that he wrote down a lot of his prayers and he wrote them down as like songs and they're in Psalms. So uh, one of the recorded prayers that he wrote down was Psalms 22. And he starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, he, like he's basically saying, I feel like you left me. You abandoned me. I, like all my enemies are doing good and you're caring for everyone else and you're ignoring me. I'm mad at you, God. And you read that and you're like, I don't think you should talk to God like that, right? Like, uh-oh. But, um, but the truth is he was that honest with God. And what's really neat is the very next recorded psalm we see in Scripture um, David's perspective completely changed because he went from being angry with God to Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me by, um, uh, it leads me to good streams by streams of water. He leads me into pastures that makes me rest. So, um, his perspective changed. So what does that tell me? That tells me God wasn't angry with him for bringing negative thoughts to, to him, but instead God healed him and worked on him where, those, where he was struggling. And he's going, okay, since you were honest with me, I'm going to start showing you different aspects of myself. So now David's not mad at God anymore. He's like, man, you, you really are taking care of me. So we got to be honest with God, number one. And then I think number two, and, and Shannon just kind of touched on this a minute ago, or, or Raquel did, where we're saying we got to really be careful about our streams of influence and what I mean by saying that is like, what am I allowing into my life? What, what is coming into my mind the most? Um, and I, for a lot of us, we do spend too much time on so- social media and watching TV. What music am I listening to? And I, I get this because Jesus, these are Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 12. He says, for out of the abundance or the overflow kind of of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Whatever the mouth speaks, what does that mean? Well, whatever comes out of me, comes out of me because it's what I've been putting into my heart. So um, I have to be real careful. Like if I don't want to be angry, I can't watch a bunch of shows that are going to make me angry. If I don't want to be stressed out and feel like there's so much drama, I can't watch a bunch of shows where there's a whole bunch of drama. I can't follow people on Instagram and just like be so focused on someone else's drama in their life and what they got and be in that comparison game. Uh, like Pastor Sarah talked about the other night, where, where it's like now my, my streams of influence are putting all this negativity in me, and then I expect to, to be positive and be happy. Well, the only thing that can come out of me is what I put in me already. So you've got to really look at it and go, well, it doesn't matter that everyone else is always on their phone, everyone else is on social media, everyone else is always watching that show. It's probably not good for me because I don't want the same stress that they have. So I'd rather say, oh, no, no, not for me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something better to put in. So. All right. So Raquel, can you give us some steps that a person could take uh, emotionally or mentally to help them feel happier or better? Sure. Okay. So just real quick, um, we all just have to learn to talk about our emotions, right? It's totally like classic counselor. Like you've got to learn to talk about your feelings, but it actually is true. Like if you can't name your feelings, you don't know what they are and you can't get the help that you need. Um, 
it's like Pastor Dan was talking about. I mean, if we let things live in the dark, they're going to get festery, they're going to get infected, and they're going to get out of control. So we've got to bring them out into the light. We've got to talk about what's bothering us, and we've got to name them specifically. I felt mad today because JL left me out, you know, at lunch. Um, <laughs> I felt frustrated because I didn't feel like my mom was listening to me. It could be anything, you guys. Um, I felt devastated this weekend because, um, you know, my parents were fighting again. Um, so once we know what our emotions are, we'll have a name for them and then we understand what our triggers are. Um, so it often feels like our emotions are just overwhelming. They're just swirling around and we got to let them settle and be able to name them and figure out what the origin of them was. That's our triggers. So we figure out what put our emotion into motion and then figure out what to do about it. So having healthy coping skills is key. This is probably a huge one for you guys to write down on your note card. Um, Everybody needs at least three positive coping skills that you can start with identifying today. That can be any number of things. Like it could just be, it could be like listening to music. It could be sitting and breathing. It could be going to Starbucks. It could be um, hitting a punching bag. Whatever it is, we all need to have those go-to tools in our toolbox. Uh, Like Shannon talked about earlier, exercise is huge. Um, And I just want to touch real quickly on safe people. So I think a huge thing is to to surround ourselves with a tribe of really safe people. So I think often we think our friends are safe, but a lot of times they aren't. Um, So questions to ask yourself. Do I think they're talking behind my back? Uh, Do they try and get me, talk me into doing things that I know aren't good for me? Do they start unneeded drama? Do they, list, do they actually listen to me? Are they trustworthy? Are they honest? Uh, do they give me life or do they take it away? Do you, you have to surround yourself by the people who you feel safe showing all of you to, not just bits and pieces that look good, but you can show all of those people to you. And this doesn't just matter emotionally, this matters spiritually as well because um, like, if we need safe people that we can talk to in order to be able to, to feel better, I think... Uh, I think I just need to address something that has happened in the last couple generations. And let me talk to the guys for just a moment. Is there's been this like this weird feeling that if I'm a guy, if I'm gonna be manly, I'm gonna be tough, then I can't talk about my emotions. I can't talk about my feelings. But every strong leader and every strong man or woman in the Bible we see um, surrounded themselves with counsel so that they had good, safe people around. Um, them to where they could talk about anything that was going on in their life. And, uh, and it's real important who your counsel is. The, the Bible says that we need to have it. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So we need people around us that, that are going to be people we can talk to about how we feel, but it is so, so important that they are the right people, that they're safe people, because you can be talking to the wrong people. And uh, a great example of this in the Bible is we see um, King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, he, he took over when Solomon died. So when he became king, the, the people came to him and said, hey, um, your dad was like pretty tough on us. He made us work too much. There was like too much taxes and all this sort of stuff. Like, could, could you be a little easier on us than your dad was? And um, he, he didn't just make a flippant decision right in the moment. He said, let me talk to my counselors first. So he, he got around his counselors, the, the, 
the older, wiser men and women around him, the Bible calls them elders, and, and he asked them, like, what do you think? And they said, yeah, you should certainly be nicer to these people than your father was, and then they'll love you, and they'll, you'll be their leader forever. And he thought about it, and he's like, I don't, necessarily, I don't think I want to listen to your advice. So he had good people around him, but he didn't listen to the advice of the good people around him. So the Bible says what he did instead is he went to his younger friends and, um, and he asked them, what do you think? Because all the, all the old people, all my counselors and bosses and all that, they all think I should do it this way. What do you think? And his, their friends gave him horrible advice. He said, you know what? Instead, why don't you be a lot tougher on people than, than um, your father was? So where he whipped them and stuff like that. So he'll scourge them and put scorpions out in their camp and stuff like that. And just like, like be totally cruel so they never come and ask you anything like that again. They should be scared of you. And, and he's like, okay, I think I'll do that. And he listened to what his friends said instead of the same people in his life, uh, the safe people in his life. So he goes back, and, and the Bible says that the people were so mad when he came back with, with saying, no, I'm not going to be nice to you and be mean to you, that they all rebelled against him. All, all but one tribe rebelled against him. So he lost most of the kingdom, uh, and, and 11 tribes turned their back on him, and he lost all just because he had some safe people, but instead... He listened to his friends. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on your friends, but what I will tell you is some of the dumbest decisions I ever made in my life I made based off of the fact that my friends said they were good decisions. <laughs> and um, I, I would show you a picture other than the fact that I've destroyed them all, but there was a period of time uh, when my hair was like down past my shoulders. I had it dyed green, and I wore pants that were like, they were big enough for like four people to fit in all at the same time, and I had a rope because there wasn't like a belt big enough to fit the whole thing, but I roped it around me and cinched it down, and I thought I was just like the coolest thing. Why? Because my friend said, that's going to get you some chicks. So I'm like, I'm in, man. The weird thing, I never talked to a girl when I was dressed like that. It was strange. But um, so I'm not picking on your friends, but here's the truth. You, you know which of your friends will give you just some stupid advice right? You know, I'm, I'm not going to pick on, you don't have to say who it is, but you know who it is. Don't listen to them. Like, like put some safe people around you and make sure that you are listening to them because they're trying to help you. So is it okay to go to the doctor and get on medication for depression or anxiety? And how do you know it's time to ask your parents to help you make that appointment? I want to jump right back in and say, it is absolutely okay. It is absolutely okay. Because Dude, I, growing up, I have no idea why, but I feel like there was this stigma in church where, like, if you have a problem, just bring it to Jesus. And yeah, bring it to Jesus. But also, God uses people. He uses doctors, and he, 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 he might use medicine. He might use different ways. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to a doctor. In fact, the book of Luke was written by a doctor. God uses doctors all the time. I look Obviously, forward little, to your book, I'm, Shannon. What's that? I look forward to your book. <laughs> yeah, I'll get started right away. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased, but yeah, going to see your doctor is a pretty good idea. And, and don't be worried. Just because you come see me doesn't mean I'm just going to put you on medicine. It may be part of a treatment plan, but just because you go doesn't mean that's exactly what we're going to do. If we do decide to do that, it's safe. We talk to you about it. We talk about risks and benefits and all sorts of things. But it's absolutely okay to go in. And to answer the question about when it's time to go, it's kind of like we've, what we've been saying, you know, when it's interfering with your life, your friendships, the things you're doing, your school performance, those things, it's time to get help. Um, one other thing, Jail, I wanted to, to point out, it, we really, really want you to talk to your parents. That's, that's the ideal scenario. 
but occasionally there are situations where you just, you just can't. And I do want you guys to know if you're 15 or over, it, where you're actually allowed to talk to a doctor or therapist or seek me uh, mental health uh, help without your parents' consent. Now again, it's not what we really want, but if it's necessary, please do it. Um, and, and things are kept confidential unless we think you're gonna hurt yourself or you're a danger to someone else. So if it's necessary, reach out. What is one piece of advice, one just kind of in summary, one last good thing you would wanna say to a student who is struggling or who knows someone who's struggling just anything about the serious stuff we talked about today. I'm going to keep this answer short, short and simple, just so we don't miss it. Talk to someone. Talk to someone. There are good people around you that love you, want to help you. Talk to someone. I totally agree. I mean, a few things I just want to emphasize. Diagnoses aren't permanent, um, and, and things are individual. Don't compare your emotions to someone else's. Raquel can go through the same thing I did, and, and I can have a totally different response, and that's totally okay. Um, just remember what we talked about. Get, get the, do the things you can to help yourself. Exercise, sleep, pray. But if things are getting out of hand, reach out to your pastors, your therapists, your school counselors, your docs, somebody. Yeah, I think we're all just saying the same thing here is that if, if there's a lot going on in your head um, that is negative or you feel, I, I always call them like the emotional bullies. Like you feel like your emotions are bullying you and like beating you up. Don't trust those voices. At that point, you need to reach out and trust truth and other voices. Um, so if, if you're hurting, say to yourself what you would to your closest friend. Say, it's all right to get help. I'll go with you. You aren't alone. We're in this together. Like, treat yourself as you would your closest friend. That's really good. Well, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to our awesome panel. You guys are awesome. I know they took a lot out of their busy schedules to be here with us, and I think we all learned a lot. Um, and I hope that you have some things written down in your journals or on those note cards that we passed out today. If you don't, while it's still fresh in your mind, get it back out and make sure that you jot down a few things. Because over the next couple uh, days and weeks, we want you to go back to these and see what is one of these pieces of advice that I can do to physically help myself that will improve my mental health? What is something that I can do spiritually to help myself? What is something I can do emotionally? And hopefully you have some really good suggestions right there. But what we're going to do next is we're going to, we're a church, so we're going to come after the mental health issues that we're seeing in this generation from a spiritual perspective. And so we're going to take some time and have a prayer time, and we're going to help lead you through some things uh, to just kind of go after some wholeness and some healing and mental health from a spiritual perspective. Now, of course, we've talked the whole time. This isn't the only way to tackle mental health, and this isn't going to fix every mental health problem. Some of you will absolutely still need to go see a doctor or a therapist or a school counselor and go through some steps there. But for some of you, I believe that there are things that are happening in your life, in your minds and in your will and your emotions that are happening because there's a spiritual attack and we can do something about it right now, today in this room. So I just want to have you put down all your notebooks, all your personal belongings and come forward. I want you to kind of find some space where you can be a little bit spread out from your friends. Let's not be right on top of each other. Let's have a little bit of space between us and our friends so that everyone can just take a moment and go ahead and be seated, get a little comfortable.
We're just finding some space where we can be a little bit separated from our friends, where we can make ourselves comfortable. If, you, if you're sitting by someone right now that you know is gonna distract you and talk to you, just resituate, okay? Pretend you have to go to the bathroom in a second and get yourself a new space, somewhere you can be. I just love you guys so much. All right, here's what I want us to do. Here's what I want us to do. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. We're ignoring each other. This is all about you and Jesus having a conversation about your mental health, about what's going on in your mind, your brain. The first thing I want to talk about is I know that so many of us have, have labeled ourselves, maybe done some of that self-diagnosing that we talked about today. So. Before we get too far into it, if you recognize, you know what, I was, I was sad, so I gave myself a label of depression. Or I was feeling worried, so I gave myself a label of anxiety. Or it's going through something, and so I didn't know I was trying to find words, and I said, I'm just gonna kill myself. And now looking back, now that you know what you learned today, you're recognizing like, wait a sec, I think I might have word cursed myself, might have labeled myself with something that it wasn't a doctor giving me a diagnosis, it wasn't a therapist or professional, it was me speaking that over myself. Every head is lowered and everyone's eyes are closed. This is a private and sacred moment. And if you recognize you did that and you wanna talk to God about it, I want you to invite you to raise up your hands. I, I gave myself a label, I gave myself a label that now I know probably wasn't accurate. Okay, I want everyone in the room, for the sake of those raising their hands, I want us to pray this prayer out loud together. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry that I labeled myself with a diagnosis that may or may not even be true. God, please set me free from that label and break the power of that label off my life. Jesus, heal me from that. Thank you. I think that there's others of us that are carrying the labels that other people have put on us. Now, in this moment, I'm not talking about a professional. If a doctor or a therapist said that you're struggling with something and they're helping you through it, that's not what I'm talking about. But maybe someone made a comment to you about you that said, you're so drama. You are just so high maintenance. You're so emotional about everything. Or maybe someone said to you, you're a man, stop crying. But maybe somebody put those kinds of labels on you. And I want you to know something. You're not too much. You're not too much. If you've got something going on in your heart, God wants you to know you can talk about it with safe people. You can bring it to them in prayer. You are not drama. You are not too much. 
And if you're a guy, I just want to echo what Pastor Dan said when he said it is okay for men to talk about their feelings. It is okay for men to get help with where they're at and what they're feeling. I just want to bless you with that. With everyone still closing their eyes, everyone still closing their eyes, if you'd say, someone did label me with something that I've been carrying and I don't want this label on me anymore. Would you slip up your hands? Someone labeled me with something. God, in the name of Jesus, I remove those labels by the authority of Jesus from these students and I cast them to the pit of hell from where they came. And God, I speak a blessing over these students that they are sufficient in you, Jesus. They are enough. And God, I pray that that those labels maybe someone stuck on them would be removed and instead that you yourself would mark these sons and these daughters with your approval and with your healing as you would continue to develop their brains and their minds, that that they would be more and more in control of their emotions and their processing skills than they've been in the past. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And we remove those labels and any, any hurt that was caused because somebody labeled them and said they were this or they were that in a false way, we pray that you, Jesus, would heal that hurts, that you would heal that hurts that you would heal that wound on their heart or their wound in the minds and they would cause them to to feel your wholeness Jesus and so students I just want everyone to repeat this with me for those the benefit of those raising their hands so it can all stay private but I want you to say I renounce which means I I I reject let's say I reject the false label that someone tried to put on me. When ch- someone tried to say that I was, and then you know what goes in this blank. I, re- I reject that in Jesus' name. And I receive the truth that I'm enough in Christ. friend Raquel talked a lot about trauma and trauma is when something really bad happens to us and she gave some examples like if a person was ever abused physically or emotionally or sexually um, trauma can be just something really scary happening a bad unexpected car accident or an emergency the the loss of someone that you care about it could be um, for some, for some people, it's being removed from their family and being put into foster care. There's all different kinds of trauma, but if you've experienced trauma, you probably know it's this big thing in your life, this event that happened that your brain keeps going back to. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, keeping it very private, if you know that you're dealing with some trauma in your life, with everyone's eyes closed, Would you lift up your hand? You have a big event that continues to bother you and affect you. Thanks for being honest today. You guys can put your hands down. I want you to know that we care 
4640 pastors and blue team, we care about those traumatic things that happen to you. And we want you to know that we love you so much and we're so sorry that you went through what you went through. We also want you to know that God deeply and truly cares about you. And that even though in those moments where that horrible thing was happening to you, whatever that may have been, I want you to know that, that God was right there with you. And he continues to be right there with you now. And if you would allow him, I believe that God wants to bring some healing to that trauma that you may be experiencing. So I just want you to picture something. Just picture in your mind like the biggest possible bear hug from Jesus. Like he just sits down right beside you and he just wraps you up in this giant bear hug. I want you to picture that because I want you to know that God fiercely loves you. He fiercely loves you. Each of the traumas that are represented in this room are totally different. We can't know every single individual situation, but this much we can say is that God can heal it. He can begin that healing tonight. He could do the entire healing at the snap of a finger, but he can bring healing to that trauma place. That deep, deep wound that happened to you at some other point in your life, it doesn't have to be that way forever. And for some of you, that healing is going to come through therapy, talking to a school counselor, talking to a pastor. Some of that is going to come that way. But for some of you, I think that God just wants you to know that it's time to, that chapter can end. That chapter can end. And Jesus can bring healing to that trauma that you're feeling inside. So again, I'd just like to ask everyone to close their eyes, everyone to lower their heads so there's total privacy. If you're saying this afternoon, I need Jesus to heal that trauma. I know what it is in my life and I need Jesus to heal it and I want to invite him to heal that hurt right now. Would you lift up your hands? I'm inviting Jesus. I'm inviting Jesus. So Jesus, all of us with our hands raised, we're asking you, we're giving you access to that hurt inside of us and we're asking you now to heal it to heal that loss, to heal that disappointment, to heal the, the hurt we felt with that shocking diagnosis, to heal the hurt from, from that accident or that, that abuse, whatever it is. God, whatever that is in the life and the heart of each of these students, I pray in Jesus' name that you would personally, while bear hugging these students, that you would supernaturally heal that trauma inside of them that you would supernaturally break trauma off and replace it with wholeness and replace it with healing. And students, you can, you can put your hands down, but if for the benefit of everyone that, that needs that healing, let's pray this prayer together if you'd repeat this with me. Jesus, I give you my trauma and I ask for your healing. I trade this scary event for your wholeness. And I ask that you would bring healing to this place in my heart. Help me walk through this in Jesus' name.
just want to invite you to have your own private conversation with God. Just begin to talk to him. Each of you might have a different thing that you need to talk to Jesus about in regards to what we talked about today. There's a certain thing in your heart that continues to hurt. If there's a certain thought that continues to come back, have just a private conversation in your heart. Talk to him. Say, dear Jesus, I'm struggling with whatever goes in that blank. And then share your heart. Pastor Dan talked about the importance of having honest, brutally honest conversations with God. Have one right now. another really private question and I'm so proud of your honesty so with every head bowed and every eye closed there's some that that over the course of, of wrestling with their mental health of wrestling with their pain have made a decision to do cutting and I feel like that when we cut we open up just a huge amount of attack in our lives and that's something that I think God wants to close that door for you if that's something that you've done. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and if I see you peeking, I will call you out. It'll be very embarrassing. So please respect, respect your peers so people have an opportunity to get whole right now. But if you're here and you'd say, you know what? For whatever reason, I have done that in the past. I have cut and I need Jesus to bring wholeness to that in my life with every head bowed and every eye closed would you would you be honest enough brave enough to slip up your hand and say I struggled with that I struggled with that at some level yeah lots of hands being really honest yeah. guys just that you can put your hands down that bravery to say I'm gonna be honest I'm not gonna hide like I think that was really significant to God and for the benefit of everyone who raised the hand so they can pray this prayer, let's all pray this prayer together. In Jesus' name, I'm sorry, God, for any self-harm I've done. As a way of dealing with my pain, I hurt myself, and it was wrong. Please forgive me. 
now say, I reject a spirit of death in the name of Jesus. Say, I believe that I am created by God with a plan and a purpose in life. And I want to live. So spirit of death and spirit of suicide be released and be gone in this room. Be gone from my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Students, I know that, that so many of you are wondering why, what's your purpose? Raquel said, what's your why? You need to find your why. And I want you to know that God has a why for every single one of you. There is a reason, there is a purpose. There's a reason to wake up in the morning. There's a reason that he made you and put you on this planet. And we're gonna get into that a lot in our, in our final session tonight. But just know that there is a reason for you. And, and I know that it's really easy to fall into the, a lie and that lie is that, that you have nothing in particular to offer, that you're just average, you're just, there's no real thing about you. And I just wanna call that out, that that is a lie from the pit of hell that God made you on purpose and deliberate with a plan. And he's gonna reveal, I believe he's gonna reveal that to some of you today and some more of you tonight, but just know that he made you with a purpose. Here's the next thing. When we're, when we're hurting, when we've gone through some of these things, what we're looking for is comfort. Sometimes we, we tell people our story, we, we tell our traumas, we tell what's happened to someone because we want them to somehow comfort us. We, we're hoping that they can help us to feel better from the very real pain that we feel. But I want to remind you of one truth. Yes, talk to people. Yes, get professional help. But ultimately, the true and complete source of comfort is always God. God is our comforter. The Bible reveals to us that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And so in the end, I cannot, as an individual person, I can't heal my friend Sarah. I can't heal her. I can't fully comfort her. God can use me to bring comfort into her life and God can use her to bring comfort to my life. But the only true and real lasting comfort that any of us can have in this world is from the comforter who is God and so do all the steps please do all the steps that the professionals shared with us today but remember where to turn where to turn in any dark hour that you're experiencing is always back to the comforter it's always back to Jesus and, and we have to seek the comforter Seeking comfort from anxiety and depression is not the same as seeking the comforter. I wanna say that again. Seeking comfort from anxiety and depression is not the same as seeking the comforter. And we have to seek the comforter. That's where the healing and the comfort really comes from. Isaiah 62. 61, excuse me, Isaiah 61 says, he has sent me to comfort, 
And the me in this text is Jesus. He has sent me to comfort all who are filled with sorrow. To those who have sorrow, I give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I give them the oil of the joy instead of sorrow and a spirit of praise instead of a spirit of no hope. Then they will be called oaks that are right with God, planted by the Lord that he may be honored. And friends, I wanna bless you with that today. I wanna make sure you really, really hear this, that you have an opportunity to trade sorrow, to trade anxiety, to trade depression. Every day of your life, you can trade it to God for oil of gladness. Every day you can trade it for comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. And did you catch in that verse how it happens? It happens with a spirit of praise. When we praise, it breaks sorrows. When we praise, it breaks depression. Now, so that's not the only solution to depression and anxiety and all that we already talked about all that. It's not the only solution, but it is a solution. And so it would be easy to sit here all afternoon and, and think about trauma and think about the hard moments that we've all had in our life, but we have a different opportunity and that's where we can take that trauma, we can take the, any of the depression, and we need to stop owning that depression. We need to stop saying, my depression, my anxiety, my panic attacks. No, those aren't yours. Okay, that's not the script that God wrote for you. That's the script the devil wrote for you, right? So, but we have the opportunity to trade the depression, the anxiety, those things. We can trade them to God for oil of joy. All right, so let's stand to our feet. To you.
love you so much. Thank you that you are the true comforter and that you comfort us in any hurt or weakness, anything we experience, you bring us the comfort and the peace and we're so grateful for that. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.